We are in Chagiga Yud Amid Beis, 10b1 in the Archbishop Gemara. We are continuing on in the list of the Mishnah. The Mishnah has a list of different categories of laws in which it is not sourced in the Torah, in the written Torah, it's just from the Torah Shabbat Peh, from the oral Torah, or it's at least hinted to in the Torah, in the written Torah, or it is completely from the written Torah, it's found completely in the written Torah. And so we are, yesterday we, in our last recording, we discussed Shabbos and how Shabbos is hinted to, at least the a, a key fundamental aspect of Shabbos of Malachas Machshabbos, of a constructive, intentional, purposeful act, is necessary in order for you to violate Shabbos. Today we are going to discuss the next category, which is what our Mesechta is about, what our tractate is about, which is the Chagiga, which is why we had the Mishnah to begin with in this in this place, in this chapter. The Chagiga, the Mishnah says, is hinted to in the Torah. It is not explicit in the Torah. So the Gemara asks, what are you talking about? The same question that the Gemara had on Shabbat with regards to the laws of Shabbos, it has with regards to the laws of this sacrifice of the Chagiga. It is written in the Torah, as we had in last week's recording. We quoted the verse, the Pasuk says, that you should have a Chag to Hashem. This is in the context of Sukkot, but it says that you should have this Chag. This should be a holiday for you. This should be the Korban Chagiga for you. So the Gemara is going to suggest that, you know what? It's really not explicit in the Torah, because the question is, what does the word Chag mean? And the Gemara is going to suggest that Chag doesn't mean the sacrifice, the Chagiga sacrifice, but Chag means to rejoice or to sing and dance. That it means... Chag means have a good holiday. You should be happy. You should you should sing and dance, perhaps. But maybe it doesn't mean to bring a sacrifice. How do we know that the word chag means to bring a sacrifice? So that's what the Gemara is going to ask. <coughs> Let's just see this inside. The Gemara says, Lotricha, We need it for the following for the following statement that Rav Papa had to Abaye. How do we know that the chag? In the verse, when it says Chag, it's talking about bringing a sacrifice. Maybe it's about celebrating that on Sukkot it's supposed to be a, a holiday of happiness, of rejoicing. We know that Sukkot has an added element of singing and dancing. We, in, in the times of the Beis Hamikdash, they would have of the temple, they would have Simchas Beis they would have extra singing and dancing in the courtyards of the temple. And we continue to have that today. We, there's also, uh, to remember that, we have our own Simchas Beis HaShuevas, our own celebration. So maybe it's just talking about celebrating, to be happy, to sing and dance. So the Gemara is going to bring two different sources to reject this idea. They're going to try to bring two different sources. We're going to see they're, going to, they're also going to reject, attempt to reject these sources as well. But one is going to come from, well, we know that the word Chag they're going to suggest that the word Chag means sacrifice in a totally different context. That's going to be one potential answer. And then the second potential answer, which is ultimately going to get reject, rejected, is that it's not from the word Chag elsewhere, but within the context of the holidays, when, in the, when the Torah is discussing the holiday of Pesach specifically, it says a certain law that applies to this Chag, to this holiday, which seems to imply that it's specifically with regards to a sacrifice and not with regards to just overall happiness. So that's going to be the, the two suggestions as we are about uh, to see. So the Gemara answers, El Meata, no. 
If and if you're going to tell me so where else does it use the word chag? It uses the word chag in these parshas, and it happens to be that in the parshas that we're discussing uh, from last week and from next week, when P- Moshe approaches in the Torah portion, Moshe approaches Paro and says, "I want, I want the Jews. God wants the Jews to go free. And what are we going to do when we go free and we go to the desert?" Moshe says that to Paro that Hashem said that they should go free so that they will celebrate, they will rejoice with me or for me in the desert. He uses the word Chag. So the Gemara says, if you're going to tell me that celebrating in that context when Moshe tells Paro that we should go to the desert so that we should celebrate, if you're going to tell me that it's also just about the broad sense of celebrating, but it's not specifically a sacrifice. If you're going to say However, the verse says explicitly that Moshe says to Paro that when we go free in the desert, what are we going to bring? We're going to bring zvachim va'olos. We're going to bring offerings, sacrificial offerings. So this seems to imply that the word chag means a sacrifice. It doesn't mean just singing and dancing, but it means specifically a sacrifice. But the Gemara rejects this. The Gemara says, no. No, maybe the verse is just saying, it's not saying to bring sacrifices. When it says zvachim, when it uses the word zvachim, even though it can mean sacrifices, it really means just to slaughter. And that what, it, what Moshe is telling Paro, let the Jewish people go. Let them go to the desert and they will eat and they will drink and they'll be happy and they'll celebrate. But not that the word zvachim, which we originally thought meant a sacrifice, really just means to slaughter. It doesn't mean a, a sacrifice. It means to shecht it so that you have kosher food. So the Gemara at this point, we're going to come back to it, but at this point rejects the proof from Vayachuguli Bamidbar that we see in a totally different context, in the context of Moshe talking to Paro, that the word Chag originally the Gemara thought that it means a sacrifice. The Gemara rejected and said that, no, who says that it means a sacrifice? Maybe it just means to celebrate. So now the Gemara is going to try to bring a, a different proof that the word Chag means a sacrifice, not from another context where we use the word Chag, but just from the fact that there's a certain law with regards to this Chag, with regards to this celebration, that implies that it's specifically in the context of a Korban Chagiga, in the context of a sacrifice. So the Gemara says, The law is, the, the verse says, that you shouldn't leave over the fat of Chagi, of my festival, of my sacrifice, of whatever Chag means, overnight. The law is, is that when you bring a sacrifice in the Mishkan, or in the tabernacle, or in the base of Mikdash, in the temple, so then, depending on, on how long you have to, to eat it or to uh, have it consumed on the altar, it ends by, by, by the morning. You only have that night, let's say, to burn the, the, uh, the animal on the altar. You only have until the morning. You cannot do it beyond the morning, after the morning, in which you shecht it, in which you, uh, set, in which you, in which you slaughter it. You only have... For that night, you cannot you cannot leave it over till the next morning before you put it on the altar. And so the Gemara says 
that if we're discussing just general celebrations, what's the problem with leaving it overnight? Why can't I leave it over? If I if I slaughter an animal, let me leave it overnight. What's the problem? It's only it sounds like this is all within the context of a sacrifice. When if, when it's within the context of a sacrifice in the temple, so then it makes sense that there are rules, there are limitations, there's there's a guidelines. But if it's just about celebrating, so it, then why why would we have this law? So it seems to be that it's about a sacrifice. So the Gemara says no. Maybe the verse is saying as follows. It's not talking about the korban chagiga, the sacrifice of the chagiga. It's saying, let's say a person wants to bring a voluntary sacrifice. You don't have to bring any, there's no commandment to bring a sacrifice. Let's say a person wants to bring a voluntary sacrifice. So then if they bring a voluntary sacrifice during this celebration, during the holiday, so then there are rules. But that's only if you volunteer to do so. There's there's rules that it cannot last beyond uh, the night. It has to you have to put it on the altar by before before the morning. But this is just a rule with regards to the holidays when you bring a voluntary sacrifice. But we don't can't prove from here that there's a requirement to bring a mandatory sacrifice. So the Gemara says, whoa, hold on, Elameata. If this is true, are you telling me that this rule of not letting it stay overnight is only during the holidays? It's only during when you bring a voluntary sacrifice during the holidays, but the rest of the year they could remain overnight? The implication here is that for the rest of the year it could remain overnight. It's specifically if you bring a volunteer voluntary sacrifice on the holiday, that it cannot remain overnight, it cannot continue to not be on the altar until uh, the morning. The implication is, but during the rest of the year, it could remain overnight. It could go, it doesn't have to be brought, placed onto the altar uh, over the course of the night. But we know that that's not true. It says in a different verse in the Torah, it says that you have the entire night until the morning. And that's with regards to all sacrifices. So how could you tell me that when it comes to the voluntary sacrifice, that it's limited to just the holiday, it really applies to all sacrifices. So the Gemara says, no. Turning the page here to 10b2, the Dilma email who have minahahula say, No, for various mitzvos, there are sometimes multiple commandments. We sometimes have multiple commandments for a single mitzvah. That sometimes you can have both a positive commandment in, the, in a positive language that you should do something, and sometimes you have it in the negative that you shouldn't do something. And or sometimes you have multiple lavin. You have sometimes you have certain mitzvos, certain commandments where it's repeated multiple times that you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't do something. Uh, for example, Shabbos, it says multiple times that uh, you shouldn't do work on Shabbos. It says it, and there's multiple commandments for it. So the Gemara says, maybe over here, there's a positive commandment because the verse says the entire night it should burn until morning. That means that it's a positive commandment to burn, should put, should place it on the altar the entire night. And then there's a negative commandment, that you shouldn't uh, leave. It's in, it's in the negative. You shouldn't leave the 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 fat of this voluntary korban, this voluntary sacrifice, until the morning. So maybe the positive commandments is with regards to all sacrifices the entire year, and there's a special negative commandment only with regards to the vol- <coughs> excuse me the voluntary sacrifice. So the Gemara says no. Well, lilav kasav krachrina. We have a different verse which says that that you're not allowed to leave over the fats with regards to the sacrifice on the holidays. 
With regards to the sacrifices on the holidays, you cannot leave it over, and it's in the negative. So we already have a negative commandment. There already exists a negative commandment with regards to specifically the holidays, that if you bring any sacrifice on the holidays, it cannot be left over beyond the night. So we don't need this negative commandment. But the Gemara interjects and says, No, maybe we need... There are two verses to teach you two separate negative commandments. We have this, as, as we just mentioned. Sometimes you can have a mitzvah which has multiple negative and positive commandments to that one mitzvah that when you either when you fulfill that one mitzvah you're fulfilling multiple positive commandments and not violating multiple negative commandments and sometimes you have it that if you were to violate it so then you're violating a positive commandment and multiple negative commandments so maybe over here too the fact that it repeats the negative commandment multiple times maybe that's just there to teach you that you have violated two negative commandments and there's also a positive commandment so you have multiple you have violated multiple commandments when you just do when you when when you leave it over, that when you leave over the animal, you didn't put it on the altar over the course of the night. That it's already morning and you haven't put the animal, uh, place the animal on the altar. So basically, just to sum this up, before we get to the concluding explanation, the Gemara the Gemara first wanted to suggest that it comes from the the we get it from an outside source that just the word chag means a sacrifice and they rejected it at the time. We're, gonna, we're about to get back to that explanation. But then the Gemara suggested that maybe it's just from internally. We see that the verse says that you're not, not allowed to leave the fats over until the morning. If it's just about celebrating, what's the problem? There's no limitation. It's just about celebrating, dancing, singing. There shouldn't be a problem. But if it has to do with the sacrifice, so then I could understand that it's about a sacrifice, so then you can't leave it over until the morning. There are guidelines. There are rules. But the Gemara rejected it essentially by saying that, no, maybe it's only talking about a voluntary Sacrifice. It's not that a requirement to bring the sacrifice, but there's a nidarm and nidavos. Sometimes we, we're allowed to bring voluntary sacrifices. So maybe that's what it's referring to. If you bring a voluntary sacrifice, so then you cannot let the fats remain there until uh, until the morning without being placed on the altar. Okay, so they rejected that proof. So now the Gemara comes back to its original proof. The fact that when Moshe spoke to Paro, he said, let us go out and celebrate. Let us midbar. We should celebrate. And the Gemara originally suggested that that word Chag is talking about a sacrifice, and then it rejected it. But we're now coming back to that explanation. So the Gemara in the second column of 10b2 says, Ela Asya Midbar Midbar, there is what we call Xer Shava, which we've had in the past. Xer Shava is one of the ways in which we, uh, we uh, come to certain laws by connecting different laws through a same word that's used in the verse. So it says here, Ksib Midbar, in the context of Moshe talking to Paro where he says we should celebrate in the desert. It uses the same word of Bamidbar elsewhere. In a verse, not found in the Torah itself, but in Amos. In Tanakh, we, we have the verse that says that there are sacrifices. You bring for me these sacrifices, these offerings in the Midbar, in the desert. In the wilderness, so they both have the word bamidbar in the desert, in the wilderness, and so therefore we could connect. This is a tradition that came from. It's not that we connected on our own, but it, this was a tradition that was passed on from the times that we received the Torah at Har Sinai, at Mount Sinai, from Moshe. It was passed down from generation to generation. That, be, but it's hinted to by this, by by these words that are the same words bamidbar bamidbar. That just like in the context in Amos, in Tanakh. Bamidbar means sacrifices. So too, Vayachogu Bamidbar, when Moshe tells Paro that Vayachogu, 
that they want to celebrate in the desert after they go free, that's talking about in the context of sacrifices. So we see from here that the word Chag means a sacrifice. Just like over there, it's referring to offerings, to sacrificial offerings. So to here, it's referring to sacrificial offerings. So, and that's the conclusion of the Gemara. So that in the end of the day, how do we know that the word Chag means offerings and not just celebrating, singing, and dancing? It's because of this Gzei Shava. It's because of this connection between two words, which te- bamid, uh, the same word found in two different places. Bamidbar, Bamidbar. In the desert, it says it twice. And so therefore, it teaches us that Chag means a sacrifice. And that's the conclusion of the Gemara. The Gemara then says, my, my So what does it mean that these are like mountains? That this Korban Chagiga, bringing the sacrifices like mountains, which are suspended by a hair, by a thread. What does it mean that it's suspended by hair? We have Exer Shava. We have a principle that's found in the Torah of how to derive laws. One of them is Exer Shava, connecting two words which are found in the same word found in, in two different contexts. We have that over here. So the Gemara answers, no, it's not really, it's not so simple. Divrei Torah, Divrei Kabbalah, We don't generally have a Gzair Shava where one word is found in the Torah, in the five books of the Torah, but the other word wasn't found in the Torah. It was found in the broader Tanakh. It was found in the book of Amos. And so therefore, we generally, you, that's not a regular uh, law that's derived from Gzair Shava. They both have to come, in general, they both have to come from within the Torah itself. Here it comes from Divrei Kabbalah. It comes from the words of the prophets, not from the words of the Torah themselves. And so therefore, it's not explicit in the Torah. It's a remez. It's a hint that's found in the Torah, but it's not explicit. And so therefore, that's what it means that it's, it's suspended by a hair because it's not really explicit in the Torah. It's not even a gzir shava, this, uh, this way of deriving laws from the Torah itself because it's really extended to from the prophets, which is not the regular gzir shava. This is not the regular way to derive the law. But in the end of the day, the word chag here, we see that the word chag here means sacrificial offerings, which one has to bring this Korban Chagiga three times a year on Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. One last point is that there is a there is a discussion. Well, what about the other explanation of Chag? The simple, the the more basic explanation of Chag is celebrating, singing, and dancing. Does that still apply? Because the context in which it says the word Chag is with regards to Sukkot, and so many want to say that that meaning is also the explanation of the pasuk. We have two levels of interpretation of the verse. One is that it's just a basic celebration for for and singing and dancing for Sukkot, and the other one is to teach you also that there's a you have to bring a sacrifice. But the but the basic explanation still continues to exist, which is why and it only exists and it's only with regards to Sukkot where the verse is found in the context of Sukkot, which is why Sukkot is called the Chag of the three holidays. Sukkot is called Chag because it really has a higher level of celebrating. This could be a source for the concept of celebrating, of singing and dancing, especially on Sukkot, over, we do so a lot more, it's more of an emphasis on Sukkot over the other holidays. We will continue with the next category of Mi'ilah in the next recording.